Good morning. A very warm welcome to the Sunday service of uh, the Free Community Church. Um, if I can invite all of us uh, to take one moment for those present here with us physically to greet one another and welcome one another to Sunday service this morning. If you are joining us online, do give a shout out and say hi on live chat and our producers will reach out to you with a word of welcome as well. All right, um, please rise and join me in the call to worship. Hungry for meaning? Welcome, Welcome home. Thirsty for purpose? Welcome, Welcome home. home. Yearning for comfort? Welcome home. Burning for challenge? Welcome, Welcome home. home. Ready for learning? Welcome, welcome home. home. Eager for serving. Welcome, welcome home and welcome, welcome to worship. Please remain standing and as we join our voices together in time of worship. Oh 
Join me in a word of prayer. God of love and goodness, your love transforms us. How could your love and goodness do anything but move us toward growth and transformation? As we sink our roots deep into your love, as we learn what it means to be authentic and vulnerable, what it means to be wounded healers in a world that is broken, help us live and love better and more wholeheartedly. We confess that there are times we chase after those powerful moments of encounter and we lose sight of what happens after those encounters with you. We forget that living out the transformation you began in us in the days, weeks, and months after is really our joint work with you. Help us, Lord, live out the fullness of our lives that you have given us. Help us leave behind the old and to live out the new. We pray for our FCC leaders and we thank you for each one of them. Each one who has taken up the responsibility of caring for the flock under their responsibility and care. For our board and council, for our CG leaders, our ministry leaders and all of those who serve with their hearts and their lives. God, we pray for strength and sustenance for them for your grace to be always more than sufficient for each one of them. Surround them with your love as they seek to grow in you, as we seek to journey with them in their lives and in their growth. We pray for our earth as well, our earth that is heating up drastically due to our neglect and abuse. We confess our sin and help us, God, as stewards of your creation, to do better. Still our hearts hold us close. Let us hear your still, small voice. Help us, God, to participate in your work of love and transformation
in our ailing world today. As you work in us and through us. Amen. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing. Of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire darkest night you were close like no other I love you as a savior and I have lived on the goodness of God and all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. Your goodness is running after, is running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you
sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so Good morning. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. And I see a couple of new faces in the congregation, so I want to welcome you. And also to let you know that we have been using this tool called Mentee um, to facilitate um, interaction during the sermon. We, we learned how to do this during COVID, and it stuck with us because it engages everyone in the construction of the sermon. So I'm not doing the sermon alone. And there'll be parts that'll be asking questions and for you to ponder and to maybe enter in the story, to reflect and to grow. Of course, this is totally anonymous, so um, we wouldn't know, you know, unless you type your name there, right? Um, you, so you can key, type in stuff that um, you might be wrestling with and so we can reflect together. So how to join in is, you know, um, this odd thing, right, in church telling you to take out your phones um, and log in to fcc.li slash mentee or you can um, take the QR code and it will bring you to, to that, right? So I'm going to invite you to participate um, and connect and reflect uh, at the same time. So you're not just sitting there and, and downloading information, but you're also participating as well in this exchange. So let us pray. God, may the meditations of all our hearts and the words from our mouth be acceptable to you. Amen. So today I'm going to preach from a rather unpopular passage from the Bible, the story of Cain and Abel. Um, and it's kind of odd, right? I'm talking about you know a brother murdering a brother and then the title of the sermon is Wounded Healers. <gasps> How does that work? Um, and it, this is a rather unpopular one because um, whether it's FCC or any other church, murder and violence isn't exactly a topic to explore. But I think that this story is more than just about violence. So I'll read from you, for you from Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 to 16. Now the man knew his wife Eve. And, he, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, brought his, uh, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. 
So Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And when they are in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil, and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth, and anyone who meets me may kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. Whosoever kills Cain will suffer of sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one who came upon him will kill him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I chose this passage to preach because Gary's sermon, um, maybe a month ago, Identity and Belonging, gave me a lot to think about. And I had been reading a book on intergenerational trauma and how effects of trauma are passed down between generations, right? That's inter intergenerational trauma. And Gary said in sermon, all these stories, right, whether it is the parables in Luke 15 or the creation story and the fall, they don't actually reveal a sin, separation, and salvation model. They reveal a shame and estrangement and restoration model. The mission of God since creation is to restore the relationship with ourselves, our relationship with God, and our relationship with each other. And let's look at God's interaction with Cain. The Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? And Abel, Cain's answer was, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Does this sound familiar to you? Somehow oddly familiar? Well, it reminded me of Cain's parents' interaction with God. Often we don't read Cain and Abel's story together with Adam and Eve's story. But let's go back and take a look at what they said and the interaction between Adam and Eve and God, right? God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me, uh, you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me and I ate. So for the first question I want to ask, you know, through mentee to you is, what do you think is happening here with 
Cain and Adam and Eve, what's happening to them? Or what's going on in their minds? What's happening with them in this situation? Denial. Maybe I should make this a word cloud, right? Pushing responsibility, blame pushing, not taking, not being accountable. They realize that they're messed up. I'm not sure about that because they said someone else messed up, right? And they're not taking responsibility for the actions, disobeying, finding excuses, shame. Very good. Embarrassment. I think it's less of an embarrassment but more shame. Embarrassment is. Um, um, a reaction when you know, we don't feel comfortable, um, but it often does not link to our um, wrongdoing, right? We can be embarrassed for all sorts of reasons. It, it, it might be an accident, right? Um, I spilled some water and I feel, oh, I'm so clumsy, you know, um, and I feel embarrassed, but it's not a severe wrongdoing. But shame, oh, shame is a big one. Thank you for your responses. All three of them denied what they did. And like all you said, yeah, they weren't responsible and accountable for their actions. Adam and Eve blamed someone else for what happened instead of owning up. Then I want to ask you why, right? Why did they, why do you think they weren't able to be responsible or accountable? Defensive, yeah? You know, that's usually my reaction as well. Defensive. Fear. Mm. That's not sin. I think that's sin, right? No. They're scared. They feel some level of pressure. They're victimizing. Um, there's a sense of self-worth that's going on, right? That maybe they have linked what they've done to how they are worth, so they don't want to, um, to admit to their mistake. Because admitting their mistake means that they are less than. They are not worthy. Right? Um, the they are afraid of the consequences, yes. Um, there was no law yet. Mm, I don't think so. Um, if you go back, it's not about the law. He, they, were, they were clearly disobeying. Um, and they were, you know, Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the fruit, right? So I think that's an important thing. Yeah. Mm. They lack self confidence. I think that needs to be expanded a little bit more. Um, I think self confidence might be a bit, uh, I think self worth will be a more accurate term. Right, um, but yes, you're you're you are getting very close to that self confidence, conditional love, very very good. Yeah, they would clearly. Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, boiling down all these, so what you have sh shared, and clearly they have jumped up. You know, two, the two big ones, fear and shame. Shame is connected to our self-worth um, and who we think we are, right? We feel that we are you know, um, less than when we did something wrong. So that's, we are not good enough. And fear, fear has multiple dimensions. The fear of consequences, fear of punishment, fear of losing relationships, 
or the breakdown of relationships. And these are all driving all these behaviours. And, you know, um, this is also how I behave and how we often behave when we feel a sense of shame and we, and we, feel, um, puni- we fear punishment or consequences or losing the relationship when we, do, we did something wrong. I repeat again, shame is about a sense of unworthiness. We are not good enough, we are bad, we think that our worthiness is linked to our behaviours or our wrongdoing. We believe that our worthiness can be earned, right? Gary highlighted this in his sermon. Our traditional Christian understanding of the human condition is that our union with God is separated as a result of the fall. That's generally how people normally get taught about Adam and Eve and the fall uh, and they chased out from the garden, right? Then he, uh, he said... When Adam and Eve hears God coming, they hide behind, they hid behind the trees. Who was the one who went to hide? Was it God or was it Adam and Eve? Even though they had sinned and they didn't feel worthy, God still comes to find them. And that was something that struck me because you know I never thought of it that way before. God still took, takes care of them in their place of need, by sewing garments for them, even after they have screwed up, even after they have boo-booed, right? Like one of you said. And just like Adam and Eve, we cannot be separated from God because of our unworthiness and shame. But we can certainly feel estranged from God and distant from God or be uncomfortable with God. That's us. We are the ones running away from God and God is the one constantly chasing after us. That's what we've been trying to say over and over in so many different ways over this sermon and even beyond. Right? God is the one running after us patiently, passionately, and unconditionally loving us. Now, let us return to Cain and Abel. Right? Um, you know, Sandman um, Easter egg here. God says, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? It is interesting, right? And I think it is very unfortunate that the words we use, there are many different ways of interpreting these words. We could hear it as, if you do well, then you are accepted. If you don't do well, you're not accepted. But I don't think God is saying that to Cain. I don't think God is saying to Cain, if you do well, then you're worthy of my love. And conversely, if you don't do well, you're not worthy of my love. Rather, I think God is saying, if you do well, then your offering will be accepted. Because, you see, some scholars pointed out in this passage that it may not be God that God prefers the animal offerings over Abel, uh, over Cain's um, um, offerings from of fruit from the ground, right? Because um, Cain is the one who is like a farmer, you know, tiller of the ground, whereas um, Abel was a was a shepherd. They actually said Abel brought the best of his flock, the firstlings of his flock, the fat portions. So, 
the writer has highlighted this part. But for Cain, it was he just mentioned that Cain just brought offering of fruit from the ground. It seemed, and the these scholars suggest that Abel gave his best. Cain did not. Cain just did whatever, right? And so what happens after that is God saying to Cain, Why are you angry? If you do well, will, will you not be accepted? So what God is trying to say is ask Cain to reflect on what he has done and what he has not done. But Cain, instead of reflecting on where he could do better, Cain repeated the patterns of his parents. He blamed it on someone else. Of course, he could blame God, but he didn't. He took it out on his brother Abel. He blamed the situation on, not that he didn't do good enough, but his, it was all his brother's fault, all Abel's fault, because his, Abel did you know, such a good job that you know, he lost favour. Cain isn't a character that's easy to identify with. After all, we are not murderers. But once we start seeing what happened in this passage, we can see some similar patterns in our lives as well. Are there occasions in our lives when instead of taking responsibility and being accountable and addressing the issues at hand, that we blame other people or other things instead? Now, this might be a tough question to reflect, right? Because it is about looking hard and deep in ourselves where we have gone wrong. And sometimes we're not in the space to be able to accept that we are wrong. To be honest, in most situations, it's not black and white. There are lots of shades of grey and there will always be some level of accountability that we have to own. I myself learned that that way. I, though I, though even as the pastor of FCC, I make mistakes. And sometimes situations are so complex that there's no perfect way to go about doing some things. There will always be some negative consequence of our actions. Right? Ah. Mm. Thank you for responding that, you know, my autism spectrum led me to do this. That's blaming something. That's accounting for something and sort of giving excuse for it. There may be some reason and, you know, for that, right? However, the question is that could we have done better in that situation, whatever such situation may be? Could we be perhaps a little bit more self-aware about what we did? It's an invitation. Blaming my parents for my life, kind of appropriate as a teen, sad in my 40s. What happened, happened. How we deal with it, how we move through it, how we heal through it, is on us. That's our part of our responsibility in the area. And that's not to say what happened in your life and what your parents did was, was okay. It's not, you know, saying, justifying in any way, but dealing with that. There are, some, there are things that are beyond our control. There were, and more, than, more often than not, things are beyond our control. 
I have come to learn that even the only thing that I can control, and I wouldn't say it's myself, because as I dig deeper, I realize that I cannot control my own thoughts and I cannot control my own emotions. They just come out. I need to learn. I can control, however, how I behave, how I react to these emotions and thoughts. So that helps me a lot when emotions come up, you know, I get angry or I get disappointed, I get hurt. But that doesn't mean that I allow it to take over, right? No, I change myself, the only person that can change. Yes, and that's a good thing. Um, I am trying to do that, but I am still growing. Um, and I, I, I think that that's a journey that I'm on for the rest of my life. I'm not perfect, and I'm still continuing to grow in that way. When we think that others who have authority or leadership should do things and solve problems, yeah, when we blame someone else or give the responsibility to someone else, actually there are things that we can actually do. Not trying to understand the context and passing fast judgment on others based on just one thing. Oh, I do it all the time. And sometimes slowing down and wondering. You know, I was just wondering, there's this um, um, coffee shop that I go to all the time and the uh, the uh, um, lady who makes the coffee, she is always angry, right? Um, because uh, I have, I am hard of hearing sometimes, and the coffee shop is very, very noisy. So I asked some, and I don't remember how much. Because coffee shops all have different prices for coffee, right? You know, some are one twenty, some one thirty, some one seventy. I have to ask, and then she would just mumble, and I didn't hear clearly. And I asked again, she would shout at me. And I always have this interaction, right? Then I'll go away like, oh, you know, how rude. But then something happened recently when I was sitting down and I was thinking to myself, what happened to her to, for her to be like that? Right? Was she mistreated by people? That's why she's mistreating other people as well. And it suddenly released my own frustration at her. And I learned to be a more compassionate, I think. You know, so she shall I mean I'm okay, oh. <laughs> you know, I I still about my coffee. I can drink my coffee angry, or I drink my coffee and let it go. And that was and that that moment I went like, wow, this is this is growth. <laughs> right. And I hope that you have these experiences too. When bad things happened last time, I asked God why. But now I think believe everything happened for a reason and God is control. Well, I think that um when things happen, they happen. The question is that where do we move from there? Rather than assigning who caused it to happen, right? You know, house is, a house is on fire. Do you, who set the house on fire? Did God allow the, the, the person to set her house on fire? No, you put the fire out. Later then figure out, okay? All right. And that's the journey that we are on. We, 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 be, we learn how, what we need to do in our lives. In hostile and judgmental environment, it's hard to feel safe and sorry for the things I've done. The, and, ooh, this is, this is, you have nailed it, you know, what I'm trying to say later in this, um, in this sermon. Thank you for all your reflections, all right? It could be as simple as uh, my interaction with um, the coffee lady, or it could be as common as being late, right? And how often have we blamed the traffic for our lack of punctuality? If I'm honest, most of the time. And most of the time, it's not the traffic, right? It could be the traffic, but if I factored in the traffic and left home earlier, I would be on time. 
The simple fact is I'm late because I left home late for whatever reasons, right? Now, I might be busy doing something and I lost track of time and whatnot, but I'm the one responsible. So when I make mistakes and make excuses instead of taking responsibility, there's something else going on. And I want to ask, why do you think we blame other people and other things and make excuses? Why do you think we blame other people and other things and make excuses? And this is the journey I had been on, you know, uh, because it's easier, yeah. Don't need to do work on ourselves. The, the, the work, someone else is the one responsible. Someone else has to solve the problem. Get off the hook. To avoid shame or guilt. Yes, that's, that's I think, on top of my list. Avoid shame or guilt. Um, they cause the problem. Hmm. Lack of humility. Work is hard. Yeah. Just trying to justify and justification is often what we use to defend ourselves so that we don't feel like we don't feel unworthy. We don't feel the shame, right? Um, because we've been deeply hurt. Yes. Pride. Well, I think pride is the false front that we put on. What's underlying it is the lack of self worth. Because when we lack self worth, we pretend that there's something there. And that's actually pride, right? The belief that I'm good, the external locus of, external locus of control, you know, it's always somewhere else, something else rather than ourselves. Thank you. You have all nailed the, the answer. I've come to realise that I blame other people and other things or make excuses because I link that everything to my own worthiness, to what I've done, right? So when I fail, when I make mistakes, I feel shame. I don't go, I made a mistake. I go, I am a mistake. So to protect my own ego, to not feel shame, I don't own up to those mistakes. I, like Adam and Eve, make fake leaves to cover myself. All these excuses are fake leaves. Internet, intergenerational trauma is also replicated in our community in some way. If there are issues I have not worked through, I will replicate it too in the community. We pass it down to one another. Right. I'll tell you a story, or many, you know, it's all the stories collapse together, and some of you might be familiar, right? When FCC first started out, Whenever we found out that a newcomer was in any way musically trained, we were almost immediately jumped and suggested that they join our worship team. We were that desperate at that point in time. Right? Some of these newcomers will step up and join the team. And then we will frequently have conflicts with some, with some of them. Not all of them, right? With some of them. And then you will blow up. They will leave the team. And sometimes they will leave church altogether. After a while, we noticed that this also happened in other ministries and cell groups. A newcomer joined us, they enthusiastically stepped up, some conflict erupted, and then they left. You know, seeing these patterns now, I wonder, is the problem us? 
just too often we like to externalize, right? They are the problem, you know. You know, they have issues, so yeah, they left. Is the problem us? It is an important question to ask ourselves, especially when we encounter same, similar issues over and over again. Then we need to ask, are we the problem? Instead of blaming others for the issues. I think that sometimes in life we might encounter people who always have other people to blame for their own situation. It's someone's fault, someone did something else, and they are the victim. And then after a while, that pattern repeats itself. And the question, then often I wanted to ask the question, but sometimes it's very hurtful and they might not be ready to hear it. So I hold back. But sometimes the question that really needs to be asked is that, it's the problem ourselves. So, many of these newcomers, especially in our early days, were LGBTQ. More often than not, they left their old church. One that they probably grew up in. One they had lots of friends into. One that they probably considered their family as well. Some of them left because they heard some homophobic or anti-LGBTQ remarks or sermon and they could no longer take it. Some of them left because they came out and they were rejected. Some of them were asked to step down from serving in church, step down from leadership positions, step down from the worship team. And so when they found FCC, there was much rejoicing. Finally, their home, finally a place they accepted them for who they are. And enthusiastically, they stepped up. Whether it was someone suggesting that, that they join the worship team uh, because they knew how to play an instrument or another ministry because of their passion. And then, after a while, some differences led to conflict. And then things escalated and this newcomer quit the team and left FCC altogether. And sometimes these differences and these conflicts are actually quite surprisingly small. It could be just a comment that, you know, you could have done better. And suddenly there's a lot of drama. For those who have been in FCC long enough, you probably can identify not one, not two, not three, but many instances that fit the situation I just shared. What do you think is the issue here? I know it's a long reply. Presume conditional presence. Very good. Three short words and then you explain. I will expand on your answer, right? It's assume that being part of this community, you need to meet certain conditions. Able to recognize and allow each other time to adapt and grow. Okay, we were unable to do that, right? Looking for an ideal Value system conflicts, some of them maybe. Communication, lack of trust, 
not having enough trust and goodwill to work things out, people already expect to be rejected again. Uh, Diva, I don't think that that's a helpful you know, um, way of looking at it because I think that underneath that, there's something else. Unwilling to change? Not sure, right? Not wanting to be accountable? Hmm, maybe, maybe not. Past hurts. Well, this one just bullseye, right? Flight reaction when it comes to conflict, yes. Or the other word is avoidance. That's my favourite. My favourite go-to. Pretend the problem not there or run away from the problem. Not being kind enough to each other. Yeah. Sensitive due to past experiences. Yes, because we've been hurt before. Then the wound is still raw. Someone touched it. Even um, just an accidental touch is still painful, right? Committing homicide, which is under hate crime. I don't know how that con connects with the question. What do you think is the issue here? It's not, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Cain and Abel. Huh? I'm talking about the situation in FCC. A newcomer comes, and then suddenly, because of some conflict, it escalated into something that's out of proportion. Right? Pride, taking sides, prejudice. Hmm. I don't know if it's that. Right? Taking things too personally due to past trauma. Another, another bullseye answer. Let me expand it a little bit more. You see, in our need and desperation, we saw people as things. We didn't see these newcomers for who they are, but for what they can do for us. We saw them for their skills and their talents. And that's how the world sees us, right? We spent most of our adult lives working and at the workplace, you are seen for your skills and talents and what you can contribute to the team. If you cannot contribute to the team, why are you there? You'll be let go. And so, we have brought that value system in some ways in our early days, right? That's how... But that's not how God sees us. And that's not how we should see each other. What we did not see is the wounds and the hurts and the needs of these newcomers. Some of them wanted to quickly give back, but did not realize that their desire to serve was also driven by fear. There was, deep down, a fear that they'll be rejected again, like someone highlighted just now. They stepped up because they wanted to show that they have something to offer so that they won't be rejected and abandoned again. But we didn't see that. We were just glad that we had people stepping up to serve. So when conflicts happen, and they do happen, they quit. And we are often stunned by the... Because the reaction is quite often disproportionate to the conflict. What happened often is that they stepped up because they feared being rejected and abandoned. Their sense of worthiness was linked to their work. So even a small comment can have a great impact on them. You could do better is heard as you are not good enough for us. I know this well because I experienced this too. When I receive feedback, even today, even neutral ones, I often hear 
you are not good enough. You fall short with the, of the standards of pastors should be. You, know, you should have talked through all the possibilities and you should have managed this, in, this incident in a better way. That's the, 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 thing, the thoughts that come in my head that I have no control over. Then I had to step back and think, you know, are these questions true? Or are these thoughts true? Did I really? And are there are things that are outside my control? And I manage those. It is still a growing edge for me. But these newcomers didn't have those tools. So when these emotions rise up, this sense of not being made to feel unworthy, being hurt all over again, they leave. We didn't get to know them and we didn't build a relationship so that we all feel safe, we all feel loved, and most importantly, we all come to the realisation that we love each other not because of what we do or what we give, but because that's how God loves us unconditionally. Our worthiness is a given. Our belonging here is a given. Once we have internalised that, we have a safe space where there is trust and understanding so we can work out our differences and work through the conflicts. Conflicts are important. Not just because conflicts are bound to happen when we have people together, but the absence of conflict is not harmony. The absence of conflict is apathy. We have conflicts because we care enough for something. If we don't care about it, then we won't feel anything and we'll just move on. But if we care deeply for something, then that's when we can be hurt because we allow ourselves to be vulnerable because this means so much to us. I've heard many times, you know, whether it's in church or in other sermons or even you know, on memes on, on Facebook, hurt people hurt people. When we don't work through our trauma, our brokenness, our issues, then we replicate them in community. That's why hurt people hurt people. Because the wounds are not healed and it continues to replicate and wound other people. Well, healed people heal people. That's how we move from hurt people to becoming wounded healers. Now I must highlight, huh? we put labels here like, you know, like hurt people and, you know, and wounded healers. I feel like I'm a wounded healer, but I'm still a hurt person. And it's a very fine line. I still get triggered. And it will be helpful for us to realise that it's not black and white. We don't suddenly you know, promote and become a wounded healer. There will still be a trace 
of that hurt person in us and being aware of what triggers that and presses our buttons, so to speak, is very important. Being wholehearted means we do the work on ourselves. We look at our wounds and we tend to them and we allow the people in community to, to tend to our wounds as well, to love us to, into healing so that we don't end up reacting. And what's the first thing that we need to realise? We've been saying this a lot and you should know it by now. First, realise everyone's equal. Equally worthy, equally beloved by God. It's something that we have been trying to say Sunday after Sunday, you know, whether it's in the sermon or doing announcements when the service leader comes up, or even in a benediction, you are beloved. And especially in this sermon arc, once we are anchored in that identity, then knowing that we won't lose it, there's no fear of abandonment anymore, then we're able to own up to our mistakes and what we have done wrong without feeling shame or without feeling that people will no longer love us because we screwed up. Then we break that intergenerational trauma that has been passed down to us from Adam and Eve to Cain to all the way down to us. They did not own up to their mistake. They blamed someone else. We can grow and it's up to us to break that cycle and not pass it down. And that's what wounded you know, being a wounded healer means. We no longer blame others for what's going on, but take responsibility for what we need to be responsible for. That doesn't mean that we're responsible for everything, right? But we need to be clear what we need to be responsible for in our lives. We also don't become the wounded healers who distract ourselves from our own problems by trying to fix other people's problems. That's not a wounded healer. That's still a hurt person. That's a person who is unable to deal with their own wounds and end up distracting themselves by solving other people's wounds. We need to do work on ourselves before we can become healers. And which is why today, and I think some of you have experienced that before, um, you know, in the midst, I don't know, who were newcomers of maybe a year or two ago and then want to volunteer and I tell you, slow down. No. We want you to find your place in this community first. To experience that you are loved first before stepping up to serve. We want to move away from the model of transactional relationships to one of unconditional love that's modelled by Jesus. Jesus loved us before we even said, done anything. So we want to start from that space so we can continue to create a safer community where we are able to be vulnerable and we're able to speak and not be afraid and so that we don't have to become defensive 
and let our guards down. I have been reading this book, I've been doing a lot of reading lately, <laughs> um, by Bethany uh, Deborah Heiser, From Burnt Out to Beloved. And I think that it's a very good book. Um, I, have the, I currently have the copy that's, you know, the e-copy from the National Library, and I think there are people queuing up to borrow the same book. But I think that it's worth uh, actually getting it. Um, I'm thinking of getting it for our library, but you know, physical copies might be uh, difficult to borrow, pass around. But I think everyone should read this book, even though it's meant for um, leaders or, or people in ministry. I think that it works for all of us in some ways. I want to read to you from her closing in of the book um, and her insights. She said, right, to close, I humbly offer a few grounding truths that have arisen out of my codependent brokenness, my need for God and the gift of my belovedness. She writes, I am loved, not for what I do, but because I am. My worth and value do not depend on how I am received or accepted, nor do they depend on how effective or helpful I am to others and this world. I am loved just as I am. I am not the healer. God is the healer. I get to point people to Jesus, yet I also witness Jesus speaking the truth in deep soul places where my words of comfort, truth, and encouragement don't reach. She adds, I am not the hands and feet of God. God works outside of me as well as through me. When I cry out to God for help, I see the impossible happen. Mountains move and challenges are overcome in ways that even the best advocacy and clinical methods don't accomplish. I need to ask for help. I can't do it all. I have limitations, and that's not only completely normal, but also a good thing. It's okay to say no, maybe, and tomorrow. I'm dependent on God and on others. Neither God nor other people expect me to have all the answers or to be able to figure everything out on my own. And finally, I need to rest and learn to receive. I need regular, regular times of reflection in prayer. The pain of others penetrates me deeply, so I need to be replenished and filled with God's presence to survive. I, can, I am okay with unproductiveness. I can choose gratitude and receive joy. I really love the book. Um, it was... There, and there are many practices in the book that she recommends, reflection questions uh, that helped me a lot. But one of the most powerful one was the spiritual practice that was developed by Rosemary Crawford when they were working on a retreat together. I want to close today leading you through it so that we can find some grounding um, to know your worthiness right, on this Sabbath day. So I invite you to you know, put away your phone because no more, no more mentee. You know, ground yourselves, whether you sit up right a little bit, you know, feel the, the, you know, the floor beneath your feet, connect to your body, and take in a deep breath. And another deep breath. 
God is as close to us as our breath. Cease striving. You are loved. This is a day of love, of grace towards yourself, of delight. It is a grounding day. Let yourself move slowly. Breathe deeply. Notice and relax. Relax your body, your mind, tension, and let go of the to-do list. You don't need to produce anything today. You are, and that is enough. Notice your reactions with grace and humility. Practice kindness, loving yourself and others. This is Sabbath. Don't hurry or worry. Sabbath is a gift. A gift to be free to live wholly, a privilege indeed that not many experience. Practice resurrection this day. You don't need to do anything. No. You are beloved. You are loved as you are. See striving. You are loved. This is a day of love, of grace towards yourself, of delight. It is a grounding day. Let yourself move slowly. Breathe deeply. Notice and relax. Relax your body, your mind, tension. And let go of the to-do list. You don't need to produce anything today. You are, and that is enough. Notice your reactions 
with grace and humility. Practice kindness, loving yourself and others. This is Sabbath. Don't hurry or worry. Sabbath is a gift, a gift to be free, to live holy, a privilege indeed that not many experience. Practice resurrection this day. You don't need to do anything. And I hope grounded in not striving, then when we step forward to do all that we are called to do, we do so anchored in love, unafraid of making mistakes, willing to hold ourselves accountable and responsible, knowing we, God will never abandon us. God will never reject us. And we are loved. And may we be the community that nurtures this. A community of wounded healers. Amen. Still remaining deeply connected with the loving of God, let us prepare ourselves for a time of Holy Communion. We gather each Sunday at this table, and even though some of us may be online and not physically all together, this table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. At FCC, we celebrate an open table. You do not need to meet any criteria. You do not even have to be a member of FCC, nor be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. The cross is two lines intersecting. The cross is where sorrow meets joy, where pain meets healing, fear meets faith, death meets resurrection, hate meets love. And all together, this, this table, table is at, at the intersection, intersection where two lines meet. This table is the declaration that love is greater, love is stronger than hate, stronger than death. This table where we break bread is the table of love, the centre from which love flows. This table is one of awareness, awakening, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of salvation, of love. With grateful hearts, we break the space of history to share in your vision of sharing at your table, where all are equal, all are free. We ask you to bless this bread and this cup. Through this meal, make us the body of Christ, 
that we may, we may join, join with you in promoting the well-being of all creation. Amen. We remember on the night when Jesus and the disciples had their last meal together, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Take, eat, and as often as you do, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to the disciples. He said, Drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. the stewards come forward to distribute the elements if you are new to us please hold on to the elements we will partake of communion together as one body
God, bless these simple elements so they will nourish and strengthen us in body and in spirit. Let us partake of the elements together. May I invite you to stand in body and in spirit to join me in the prayer of communion. All together. Lord, make us, make us instruments, instruments of, of your peace. Where, where there is hatred, let, let us sow love. Where, where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. You may be seated. Please pass the cups to the aisles, um, and the stewards will collect them. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, very warm welcome once again to the free com the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you, Miak, for that very what I thought was a very bold and very powerful and also very rich, I think, uh, sermon today. Um, I really have nothing else to <laughs> add to the sermon. I think it's a lot to a lot to mull over, and and probably it will be good. To, it'll be a sermon I think good to rewatch. I think it bears rewatching, not just for the teaching, if if only just for the loving kindness practice at the end, right? So um, yeah, thanks thanks Miak for that. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll move into a time of announcement. So first up, it's really a very warm welcome, especially to those of you who may be new to us, maybe as a first time or first few times joining us. We would really love to get in touch with you, get to know you better, and and kind of help support you in this uh, time that you're newly uh, joining us. So do um, kind of leave us your details at the web uh, at the welcome uh, website. Um, so the QR code and the link is there. Um, we, are, we also do have uh, regular newcomers meetings, uh, usually on the last Sunday of every month. So the next newcomers meeting will be on the 27th of August. It'll be a, a, a meeting especially where leaders and the pastors kind of sit down with you and, and maybe do a little bit of an introduction as to um, what FCC is and um, answer any questions that you may have. So mark that date if you are interested in joining us. And we continue our time of worship together in, through our giving. Uh, there are several ways that uh, you may give. Um, so um, for convenience, do scan the QR codes either on the screens or on the seats, uh, on the, on the uh, backs of the seats in front of you. We have two funds. General fund goes to general expenses and the building fund goes towards the mortgage of the property that we are in. 
Um, you can give by PayNow with the QR codes or through uh, the Gift.Asia platform by credit card, which does take a very small percentage of um, your giving as a platform fee. So just be aware of that. Uh, the third way that you can give is also through um, physical donations today. And in a, in a little bit, the stewards will be going around with the offering bags for you to drop uh, your offering in. So before we take up the offering, um, let us pray over the offering. Loving God, we come to you today in the heart of thanksgiving with that gratitude for your blessings, both big and small in our lives, tangible and intangible. All the little blessings, even in the midst of darkness or difficulty that we may find. With that heart of gratitude, we lay before you these gifts for the purpose of the church. May these gifts be good and wholesome in your sight. May we be good stewards over the gifts that we have been blessed with. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, and we go into time of announcements. And first up, uh, as the first announcement, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, we are supposed to take up the offering. <laughs> okay, if, if, you are, um, if you would like to uh, put in a physical offering, please just raise your hand and the stewards will come round to you. I think we can move on with the, of the announcements as the stewards are going around. So first up, we are announcing actually the after-church activity, uh, which will be happening this afternoon. So ACE activities are part of our community life. It's really a chance for you to explore new skills and new experiences in a safe and non-judgmental space. <laughs> so especially pertinent to that today is our uh, efforts or our chance to learn portrait drawing. So it'll be an afternoon getting to, to really know someone um, by staring at them for a long period of time. Okay, so don't be intimidated. Again, safe and non-judgmental. So you'll be guided through the process. And um, okay, I don't know about deep conversations, but hopefully you converse as you are drawing each other. So they promise a ton of fun. Um, and yet at the same time, they say it's not for the fear, faint of heart. So I'm not sure what to make of that, but... Um, if you are interested, you have a bit of time this afternoon, you're willing to give, try your hand at something new, um, do stay back and we'll be starting after lunch uh, in the sanctuary this afternoon. Yes. Next up, we have our commemorative book efforts. So as leading up towards our 20th anniversary in October, um, we, are, uh, have, we have been actually working on this book actually throughout the year already. So this is, um, I think, one of the final phases of the book where we are asking for um, your contributions in terms of collages. Um, we already have gathered many individual stories and responses and the collage uh, exercise is really an effort and a chance for groups of friends or cell groups or ministries to come together, build a collage and submit it for the book um, to be representing your little group in, within FCC. So today will be the, the closing submissions for this uh, project. Please uh, send in your collages to um, the info at freecomchurch.org um, email address. 
And next up, we have a special, uh, not really special, it's a regular uh, project that we have ongoing for our new uh, members. If you are new to FCC, you want to find out a little bit more about our history, you know, our culture, our, our kind of the way we do things here, our beliefs, um, do sign up for SEED. SEED is a four-session four uh, uh, program that really goes through a bit of our history, get, get to know the people that you commonly see around in church and understand uh, how I think some of our beliefs have shaped over time. So um, we are starting the next run of seed um, actually today also, busy Sunday today. So we'll be starting at 12 immediately after service. Um, and if you would like to join subsequent runs, um, or if you would like to drop in today, that's fine as well. But if you would like to join subsequent runs, please um, do send in an, an email to our uh, uh, church uh, email as well. All right. Next up, we have Living Waters, yet another um, opportunity for us to get to know actually um, a bit about theology in, in FCC. Living Waters really is a specific program for the reconciliation of faith and sexuality for men. So we've kind of lost count of how many Living Waters we've done already. Seed is in 15, but Living Waters has been running since 20, uh, 2005. Yes, I was the first Living Water graduate, actually. So um, it, we, we, we spend the time together. It's a time-limited group. Um, we spend the time going through some of the passages around uh, sexuality, homosexuality in the, past, uh, the Bible. And it's a good chance to get to know actually how we approach a biblical interpretation, reading some of these passages and understanding the concepts behind that. So really gives a bit of insight into the theology of FCC. We will be beginning the next run of uh, Living Waters on the 10th of August, every Thursday evening at 7.30pm. How many sessions is it? Eight sessions. Okay, so it's a time-limited run for eight session, eight sessions every Thursday. So for this, uh, we would like you to sign up at uh, fcc.li slash livingwater2023. Alright, next, and I think the, one of the last uh, announcements is about FCC membership. We have two intakes of membership to FCC every year, one at Easter and one in the coming anniversary service in October. So this is a chance for you, if you've been around with us for some time, you feel a, a sense of connection and sense of meaning in this community, um, do consider joining us as a member and, and being active in the life of uh, FCC. So register your interest at fcc.li slash membership. There are no real requirements per se. Miak um, will, uh, or the pastors will reach out to you individually after you indicate your interest to explain, you know, what uh, becoming a member entails. And um, uh, the closing date for this will be 31st of August uh, this year. So again, the QR code. Lots of QR codes today. <laughs> so finally, uh, we have Lunch Kakis. Lunch Kakis, again, is another uh, ministry where we want to support um, you if you are fairly new to the community, you don't quite know anyone, but we typically continue the, the fellowship after service over at lunch, over lunch uh, at the coffee shop nearby. So our Lunch Kakis today will be on hand, especially welcome and, and um, have lunch with you. They will be Lexi, I believe, and Gordon, who are waving and you will be waiting at the back of the sanctuary um, so you can join them um, after service to, to head downstairs. I think that's, that's it for announcements and that leaves me to invite Pauline up to give us the benediction.
Will you rise in body and spirit for the benediction? People of God, cease striving. You are loved. You are loved not for what you do, but because you are. So now go, beloved people of God, to live and love wholeheartedly as wounded healers in our world today. And may our wholehearted God go with you both now and always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. Have a blessed week ahead.